0: At the moment, we're going through a sermon series uh, looking at how to be whole-life disciples. So how do we live out the whole of our lives for Jesus? We're looking at healthy relationships tonight. So if you were expecting a really helpful talk about dating, uh, about how to uh, love your partner appropriately, uh, about when to know is the right time to propose and, and maintain a fantastic relationship. Um, you'd be right to assume that I'm the person to deliver that talk. Um, and that's, that's a fair assumption, being the love guru that some have called me in my mind. Um, however, you'd be wrong to assume that we're going to talk about that tonight. It's unfortunate, because when I got handed down this talk, I thought, yeah, yeah, it makes sense, yeah. It's about time, really, actually, <laughs> that they asked me to speak on this. Um, but no, it's not about that, apparently. So we're going to do something else instead, but that's fine. Um, I, want to, I want us together, actually, to, to paint a picture, to set a scene. Okay, so using your imaginations. Um, if you can imagine... A town, or or a or kind of city, a little bit smaller than a city, maybe a kind of a kind of place, and uh, and this place is bustling. Lots of people live there. Uh, It's kind of really busy, uh, multicultural. Uh, It's kind of the hub for an industry of some kind. Lots of people work in a similar industry. It's kind of like a really uh, it's a really strong, vibrant working town. And then I want you to imagine that town, uh, and some time has passed, and for whatever reason, the town has started to see some decline. Uh, And where once the positives of a multicultural place, East meeting West, uh, in its inhabitants, actually is starting to grind against people, the values and the philosophies and the ideologies of the people who live there, they're just kind of starting to, to grind. There's a bit of friction. It's fractious. And maybe even um, because the town is kind of, it's kind of running down a bit, there's, there's lots of unemployment, potentially. You know, I, I think if, if anybody here um, knows anything of the history of, of Britain, certainly um, the previous uh, Conservative government uh, was involved in, in many places seeing the decline of industry, uh, Glasgow or, or Leith or Sheffield or wherever. So you can imagine these things. And this place where once was bustling and noisy is now starting. It's still noisy, but it's kind of noisy for the wrong reasons. And it's kind of winding down a bit. And then if you imagine this person, this man, he, um, he's from this place, but he's in Rome. And he, he hears this guy called Paul speak. And, uh, and Paul's speaking about Jesus. And he's, uh, Paul's speaking about um, uh, this amazing person who's actually God as well, lived this perfect life, died for you, rose again for you. You're really inspired. This person is really inspired and thinks, actually, I want to follow uh, this person called Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. And as a part of that, uh, I want my friends to know. In fact, actually, where I come from, there's lots of people who need to know that hope, who've kind of lost that sense of hope. Uh, And actually, I could bring that message. So, So this person goes back to this town that you've been imagining and plants this kind of church. Uh, and it doesn't really look like this. It's a bit more like a house church. It's like in the living room. So we're in a living room now. And, uh, and, and, this, and this man now leads this, this kind of new church. And again, like the town, it, it's, it's great. It's, uh, there's, there's different kinds of people from different backgrounds, and they're all kind of working together, and it's really nice. Uh, but then after time, uh, it, starts to, it starts to go downhill like the town, and, and there's a bit of friction It's a bit fractious. People are arguing. People are disagreeing. There's quarreling. Uh, There's groups of people who kind of follow one uh, set of beliefs. um, There's groups of people who think, actually, um, if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to work really hard for it. Yeah, you've got to earn that love from God. So you've got to turn up for everything. You've got to be appearing to do everything right. In fact, actually, there are a load of things that you need to say no to in order to show that you're committed to God, you can't eat that certain food, you can't do that certain thing. And then maybe there's another group of people who are actually like, why are you doing that? Because you're going to get it wrong. So what's the point? All of this doesn't matter. We're going to get it wrong. I'm going to mess up. I'm just going to do what I want. And God God will forgive me. It's fine. But I'm just going to live how I want to live because everything around us is evil and the only good thing is the Holy Spirit. The only good thing is God. Uh, and so I, I'm just—I'm just, I'm just going to say, yeah, I follow him. I'm going to do what I want because I'm just going to fail anyway. And you can see some arguments start to take place. And then if you imagine the person who leaves that church is like, okay, this hasn't gone quite to plan. We've run into a little bit of an issue, but that's okay. I'll go back to Paul because Paul's got the answers. Paul's the man. I'll go back to Rome and I say, Paul, this is what's going on. What do you think? And so, so this man does that, and Paul says, okay, here's a couple of ideas, here's some things that you can think about. And he says, and I'll tell you what, I'll write a letter. I'll write a letter to them as well, and we can really make sure that people have written down that they know what is going on. That is essentially what Colossians is. It's a letter written to a small church who were kind of early on in their formation, a kind of early family, who were trying to work it out, but things have started to get a bit fractious. And actually, there's some uh, what we would call heresy now starting to kind of spread around this group of people. Uh, Basically, lies about faith, lies about Jesus that aren't true, that they're starting to believe are true. Uh, And the thing is, actually, I, I mentioned a kind of religious spirit of you've got to work for your salvation, and I mentioned a kind of actually just do what you want mentality. And that is perhaps... Present, but we're not entirely sure what the heresy was, what the lies actually were. I think that's a really good thing, because right now what you can do is you can imagine whatever lie you're believing about God, you can fill in the blank. So you can read Colossians now and imagine your your thing in place of whatever Paul is talking about. So now we can do this together and we can read it together and it can have new meaning. And thankfully, what Paul does is he writes back and he says, look, chapter 1 and 2, he smashes the lies. He says, regardless of what goes on, all you need is Jesus. All you need is Jesus. He's totally supreme. He's the creator. Uh, He's all sufficient. His perfect life is all we need to model on our own lives. Uh, His death and resurrection means sin has no power over us anymore. Death is not the final option for us. We are set free. We have new life in us. And in chapter 3, he then gives us the practicals. He gives us, this is how you're going to live from now on. And the brilliant part about our passage, this is where we're at now, tonight, in chapter 3. The brilliant part about our passage is that uh, it, it is really nuts and bolts. And we, we get to some spiritual stuff at the end of the passage, uh, and, and forgive me, of course all of it is spiritual, but it's actually, it's just really normal stuff that he says. See, see, Paul in chapter 1 and 2 paints this picture of Jesus, and this wonderful, awesome, powerful picture of Jesus, this person we now follow and we believe in. But he gives us really practical stuff because he says, following this, it has to transform our lives. It has to change your everyday, it has to change your actions, your hands, not just your mind and your heart, it has to change everything, otherwise you're not really following him. You're just kind of looking at the stained glass window going, oh that's really pretty isn't it? And then you're just kind of going around your everyday life. And at some point in our lives, certainly at some point in my walk with Jesus, or many points, that has been the description of my faith. I just kind of, I sign up to the right stuff, I turn up to the right meetings, I say the right things, but actually Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm kind of just doing my own thing. I've got loads of really close friends who I grew up with, actually, since I was about 10 years old, and um, they're, all, they're my best friends. They're, they're brilliant people, and I'm the only one who went to church and still goes to church and all that kind of stuff, and, uh, and that's brilliant, but it presents an issue sometimes. Uh, I mean, it's brilliant in the sense that I get to talk about something that they never really talk about, and I get to offer stuff. Uh, that that I believe really helps. Uh, But it's tricky because it means uh, when they want to get smashed or when uh, they want to do this, that, or the other, I've got to be, I I mean, that's where I'm tested, right? That's where I've really, am I going to be who who I say I am? Am I going to be a man of integrity? Am I going to be a whole life disciple? And I I, I believe that's some of the issues that we face. I think that's a really normal thing. And so Paul's saying, if you're going to follow this, then it's got to transform your life. So here's some practical stuff. Here's some really practical stuff. And he gives us some one another's. He gives us some one another's. I hear the excitement in the room. (laughs) There's, um, I didn't didn't count them personally, because this is like a known thing, and I'm sure... Probably most of you already know this, but it was a revelation to me that there are 59 one another's in the New Testament. 59 times. There's a, there's a, a Greek particular Koine Greek, that's the kind of New Testament Greek um, word uh, for one another, and it gets used 59 times in the New Testament across many different books from different authors, actually. It's it's almost as if um, one of the central themes of the New Testament is about how we live with one another, how we treat one another. Paul gives us a couple in our passage. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. See, there's some really practical stuff in there. You notice in the clothe yourself part in verse 12, we, kind of have, we hear some words that uh, remind us of some of the stuff that Paul's already talked to us about in Galatians. Uh, some fruits of the Spirit are in there. So gentleness, kindness... But there's some other other virtues in there, which he repeats actually in other parts of the New Testament. Almost as if to say, these, these, this is what happens when you follow Jesus. When you give your life to this thing and you receive the Holy Spirit, you have within you these fruits, these things. But what's interesting is he says, clothe yourself with them. You see, the fruits of the Spirit and these things that he's asking us to clothe ourselves with, compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, these sorts of things, they're they're as much an invitation as they are an inevitability. They become a part of your life because you are filled with the Holy Spirit, but you've still got to put them on. You've still got to practice them. You've still got to choose to wear them in your everyday, in your every, in every single relationship that you have with somebody. In order to have health in that relationship, you've got to be clothing yourself with this stuff. You've got to be choosing this stuff daily. Also says to bear each other, bear with each other. If you look up the uh, in a biblical encyclopedia, um, the kind of definition of, of, what, of what's trying to be said there. Um, it, it's literally like an uncomfortable process. It's like um, kind of putting up with one another. You know, it's almost like it's got a bit of a negative slant to it. it. You're bearing with somebody. I mean, Paul's being real. He's like, look, I know you guys are probably rubbing up against each other here. In fact, I know it because I've been told it, and I can understand. And you don't have to be a genius to recognize that that might be happening in your context. So just bear with one another, bear with each other. You don't have to be best friends, but healthy relationships, being Christ with one another sometimes just looks like, you know what, that's fine. We disagreed. that's fine. I'm not going to let that get in the way of what Christ has called me to be with you. I'm going to bear with you, that's fine. Because here's the thing, people need to bear with you. That's the thing. We all start thinking of all those people that we bear with but somebody's thinking of you. <laughs> and then he says, forgive one another. He doesn't just say forgive one another. He says, forgive one another as God forgave you. That's a high bar. God's forgiveness is unconditional. God's forgiveness is never ending. God's forgiveness is regardless of anything you've ever done. That's the kind of forgiveness he's calling us to. Again, as I'm saying this, I pray by the Holy Spirit that faces are starting to come up. That ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend that really, really, really hurt you and they really don't deserve your forgiveness. But here's the thing, God forgave you when you didn't deserve your forgiveness. And that's why we forgive them. Or maybe it's that person that you work with, your boss who promised that, uh, that progression, that salary change or whatever, that responsibility, and it just slipped right by you. And you think, oh, that, that really cut me up actually. Or speaking of cut up, that person who cut you up when you were driving here and thinking, oh, idiot. I'll go to church now. Paul's like, no, 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 you've got to forgive them. You've got to forgive one another. It's really practical. It says, love one another. Above all else, love one another. Above all else, love one another. It will bind you together in perfect unity. Love one another. The power of how we love one another is phenomenal. The love that we will have and share with one another will unite us in more ways than anything that could ever divide us. The way that we love one another. The the love that it's talking about in this passage, uh, it comes from the Greek word agape, and it's the kind of love that God says that he has for us. High-standard stuff. It's the kind of love that says I choose to love you. It's not like romance where you like fall in love and it's really easy. It's the kind of love that says I'm going to choose to love you regardless. Because he chooses to love me and because you choose to love me. Love one another. And then it says let peace rule. Let peace rule over your relationships. Peace rule, it literally means let peace be an umpire. So if you imagine the big kind of ladder thing on a tennis court, and there's the umpire, and there's a relationship. Up, uh, up! Uh. Peace. <laughs> what? Up, up! Peace, please, okay. Literally, let peace rule over your relationships like an umpire, checking, constantly checking. Uh, is, this, is this relationship I'm in, is it at peace? Is this conversation I'm having, is it at peace? Uh, I had, we had an amazing experience recently over the last week, uh, myself and Laura talking about wedding costs and things like that. And uh, money is a great conversation to have with a partner, ever. It's always good. So, um, you know, it was fine, and we were talking about budgets, and, and, and basically both of us had completely... Uh, well, we'd, we'd gone through the costs of everything. And, uh, and basically it had come out that we were, like, over-budget. And not just, like, over but we were, like, over-budget. And I was, uh, I was, like, gutted. And obviously must have been some way that I expressed that being gutted. Laura thought I was blaming her. And, uh, and, and it, became, it became an unhappy, uh, it, there was no peace. There was no peace. Peace was not ruling, or he was trying to, and we were ignoring. It was bad. And we resolved it, and we said sorry, and uh, it, it took a while, but we got there. And I said, look, I, I'm sorry, and Lord said, I'm sorry, and anyway, conversation ended. It turned out that both of us in our calculations had missed out a zero on one of the incoming stuff, which obviously completely knocked the numbers, and we were actually doing really well on our budget. <laughs> so, so what's great is we, we had a practice run, uh, uh, having that kind of a conversation, and both of us were like, I'm so sorry, I'm so bad at numbers, and all this kind of stuff, and it was fine, and, and that's fine. But I th- what we discovered is sometimes it, it's easy to let peace rule in your relationships, really easy. And then it only takes that one little thing, and for some couples, for some people, for some relationships, it's money, and it's that one little thing, and suddenly you're like, okay, yeah, peace, bye-bye, here we go. More like boxing ring, let's, let's have it. Let peace rule, let peace rule over your relationships. And then it gets to the holy stuff. Then it says, let the message of Christ dwell within you. Uh, What it means by that is the Old Testament and the New Testament. All the stuff that we've learned about God, let it dwell within you. Read your Bible, dig into the Word, study it. And then it says, um, get together with one another and sing songs and hymns and praises and psalms. And that that doesn't just mean corporate worship, but uh, also in the day, and that was also how we learned about God. People would sing songs about the character and nature of who God is and what He's done, and that would be how other people corporately would also learn about God. So learn and grow together and worship God together and do all of that stuff. But I think there's something really significant about God goes, look at Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Do all all that holy stuff, old Jesus. It's brilliant. And then he says, yeah, but this has got to change your every day too. So, so let's stop quarreling. Let's stop arguing. Let's stop being bitter. Let's stop gossiping. Let's peace rule. Clothe yourself. Bear, forgive, love. In the verses before our passage tonight, it, it talks about sexual impurity. It says you've got to get rid of that. Lust, you've got to get rid of that. It's all well and good turning up to church on Sunday. That's fine, but this has got to leak out into your every day, the whole of your life. We're looking to be whole life disciples here. And here's the thing: it's hard. I know it's hard. It's really hard, but that's why it's one another, because we do it together, as a family, with in peace, with grace, with humility, gentleness, kindness, all that kind of stuff. But we do it together. We do it together. It's okay. If you muck it up, it's okay. Because I know you're going to have my back when I muck it up. Sometimes, and, and, and this is completely true, but sometimes, you know, we're a church that says, come as you are. Whatever phase of life you're in, whatever's going on, you are welcome here. Whatever's going on, whatever you've done, whatever you're thinking about, whatever, anything come and be with us, come as you are, you are welcome here, you will be loved, come and be a part of us. And sometimes what can happen when that's the message is people think, yeah, I'll come as I, uh, I'll come as I am and uh, I'll do what I want and that's fine and I'll just live how I want to live and then I'll turn up to church and everyone will say, it's okay, come as you are and, and you're like, yeah, it's great, it's easy, it's easy, it's Christian stuff. We completely say come as you are but that's not our message. Our message is: come as you are, and if you want to be a part of this family, if you want to follow this Jesus, then it's got to change your life. It's got to transform your every day. It's got to change the way we speak about each other, relate to, how, to one another. It's got to change our relationships. And then I'll land with this before we respond one of the reasons I think the one another's are so significant and you can go home and you can check out the other ones because they're all, they're all amazing. They're amazing rules of life. But why I think that gets hammered home again and again in the New Testament and again here in our passage is because, you see, there's, there's this prayer that Jesus prays for his disciples and for believers in Matthew. And he says, he says, the way that you love each other will show the world who you're loved by. Essentially, he says, the way that you love one another will show the world. You see, when we love one another, when we do the one another's, we show the world that there's a God who loves us. Andy Stanley is a leadership expert um, He says the church's primary and principal activity is one anothering one another.